Hey everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the OK Fame Show, the premier place for all your professional wrestling news and needs. Now, here's Connor, a.k.a. OK Fame. What's going on, everybody? It's yours truly, Connor, a.k.a. OK Fabe. And welcome, guys, to your September 18th edition of the OK Fabe Show, of course, right here on YouTube.com slash OK Fabe or Twitch, Facebook, or you guys downloading your awesome podcast from, of course, we're on iTunes, Stitch Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. SmackDown Live was definitely an intriguing one that had a lot of surprises, twists, and turns, and honestly, I think was one of the better SmackDowns uh, in recent memory. Again, Great, I think, uh, solid programming this week from WWE in terms of uh, both Raw and SmackDown. But SmackDown had a couple of other unique things going for it this week. And, of course, I'm going to break down the entire card for you tonight or today uh, as we head into NXT debuting on USA Network tonight, 8 p.m. on the on USA. And, of course, 9 p.m. in the last hour will be on the network. Wednesdays are going to be crazy in a couple of weeks. But how crazy was SmackDown this week? You guys know the deal. You guys know the routine. Love to hear your thoughts on what went down on SmackDown Live. So make sure you hit me up in the comments, on social media, on that Twitter, OKFabe, because you know I love tweet with you guys live during all the shows. And, of course, make sure you check it out. And subscribe to the channel. Hit that bell so you're notified every single time we slide into your subscription boxes. Don't forget, tomorrow, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the NXT review. It will be up for their first two-hour broadcast Sort of, on USA and the network. We'll talk about all that in great detail. But let's talk about SmackDown from what happened on SmackDown last night. SmackDown was definitely an intriguing show that is going in a lot of different directions, a lot of slower burns for a lot of their programming or a lot of their rivalries and their matchups, which, hey, I am certainly not in the least bit complaining. And we even got a bit of a surprise at the very beginning of the show. I say sort of surprise because I think a lot of us saw it coming with uh with what happened with Kofi Kingston but let's talk about what actually happened so surprisingly things kicked off with you guessed it an actual championship or not championship match a six-man tag team match yeah believe it or not no promo this time we actually started off with an actual match on SmackDown it was the six-man tag that was advertised earlier it's the New Day Big E Kofi and Xavier Woods against Randy Orton in the Revival also known as FTRKO uh, this was a pretty solid matchup between the uh, between the two teams. Really uh, great uh, athleticism between all of them. Great psychology. I think this is pretty much the significant of the of the ending of the whole Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton storyline. Which I'll be honest with you, I'm actually on, on a little bit surprised at this. I thought that with the amount of I'm not saying the match quality between Orton and Kofi was uh, outstanding. It was solid stuff. I thought for sure there'd be more uh, more to this and they would stretch this out a little bit longer, but it seems between both this matchup and obviously what happens right after, uh, Kofi and Orton are kaputskis and Kofi's looking for his next major challenger. And trust me, it would be coming there. 
So uh, we see some craziness going on on the outside towards the end of the match. We see Kofi passing uh, Scott Dawson on the floor. Big E takes him out. Wilder takes out E with a drop kick from Kingston. Sets him back down. Off the ropes. Randy catches the champ hanging uh, in the DDT. Back inside. Think about a double 3D. But, of course, Big E makes the save and puts Orton onto the post. Kofi hits a DDT on both members of the Revival. Woods off the top. Limit breaker. Kofi gets to his feet. And, of course, hits a trouble in paradise. Gets the pinfall for the baby faces against the Revival. So, or, sorry, I should be saying pinned Scott Dawson. So, of course, as New Day go to celebrate, we get, of course, the man himself, or rather the beast himself, Brock Lesnar. For the first time in a long time, Brock Lesnar appearing on SmackDown Live. Gotta love that wild card rule. Of course, Heyman is here with him, of course, Mike in hand. They stop in the middle of the ramp, and, and Kofi sends Biggie and Xavier to the back because he wants to stand up to Brock Lesnar by himself, which is an admirable quality. Of course, um, Lesnar and Heyman get on the apron, and of course, Heyman does his usual intro. He says Brock is officially challenging Kofi Kingston for a title match for the WWE Championship on the very first Friday night SmackDown on Fox on October the 4th. Kofi, of course, responds saying when he won the title at WrestleMania, he promised he'd be a fighting champion, so of course, he accepts Brock Lesnar's challenge. Brock comes in for the handshake, but of course, he bait and switches, hits an F5, and lays Kofi out, holds up the title, and then tosses it to direction. This is something that I think a lot of us uh, were going to see, and this this I think makes a lot of a lot of interesting statements in more ways than one. First and foremost, Brock going over to challenge to for the the WWE Championship. Um, I know it's an easy prediction. I know a lot of people are already saying it on Twitter. They were saying it as soon as it happened at the beginning of the show. Rest in peace, Kofi's title reign. And I think that you know, I I'm kind of in agreement with them. I don't see Kofi coming out on top of this. Um, obviously, with Brock wrestling, and I could be wrong here. You guys can, of course, let me know in the comments and on social media. This could very well be Brock Lesnar's first televised uh, wrestling match. And I'm talking like Raw, SmackDown, not a pay-per-view. But his first televised match in, I think, 15 years? I think it's been a long time since we've seen Brock Lesnar on, like, actually wrestle on either Raw or SmackDown. I think it's been, like, over a decade so it's been it's been a while and it's and it's a huge deal that they're definitely putting all their top stuff on the smackdown debut on fox which i'm not surprised or saying they shouldn't i think it's a smart strategy um but it is interesting considering that this is the go home smackdown uh before hell in the cell that takes place on october 4th so it makes me think they're gonna do a little bit of a, of a shocking moment and brock ultimately be the uh, is the one to dethrone mr kingston and win the championship we'll obviously talk about that or uh, when we get uh, later on to uh, closer to Fox's uh, debut of SmackDown in a few weeks. But uh, very bold statement that they're deciding to have Brock show up on this SmackDown, challenge Kofi in a few weeks, essentially build it up almost like a pay-per-view match. There's already some history there when Brock you know, was, was willing to cash in the championship. And uh, so I, I think that, unfortunately, the days are numbered. And on top of that, if they want strong showings, and I know this is going to be extremely hypocritical or extremely like backwards way of thinking from a lot of people i think that if they're if they meaning wwe are attempting to put their best foot forward as far as ratings grabber on fox as ironic as it is that brock may not be on smackdown much unless he gets drafted but either way he's probably not going to be there full time i wouldn't be surprised if they put the belt on lesnar uh as a ratings move and what I mean by that is you make it a special appearance when he's going to show up on Fox. 
Make no mistake about it. I think I think Brock's going to win. I wouldn't even be surprised if Brock gets officially drafted over to the SmackDown brand to help build it up a little bit more. I'm curious to see what you guys think about this. Do you think that Lesnar going after Kofi on a non-pay-per-view SmackDown? Do you think it's smart for the Fox? Do you think Lesnar is walking out the gold? Let me hear your thoughts. Let me know on social media and on the comment section. So, of course, we get a recap of, Cole. of course, Kevin Owens getting fired last week. But then we go into uh, a quick little interview between Bailey and Sasha Banks. Banks says that she's the star of the division and she'll take on any challenge, even at Hell in the Cell. Bailey says that Sasha shall be, uh, will be answering any and all questions about her match tonight against Charlotte Flair in the ring. But then we get Eric Rowan, who does an interview, uh, one of those sit-down interviews with Michael Cole. Some of you remember a couple of years ago that... Um, Michael Cole used to do these like forum interviews with like people in like you know studio settings, which I thought were great. I kind of wish they did those more often, and I kind of wish they do these a little bit more often because Eric Rowan's interview, as short as it was, and really not anything new as far as information goes, or or like his character or motivation, it's just something to kind of give Eric Rowan more spotlight. Um, of course, uh, he surprised Cole knows who he is, telling him to go ask Luke Harper if he's got a question for Luke Harper because of course he's referring to what happened at Clash champions but he said this is about him right now and he says that attacks on roman were merely meant to scare him and he no longer allows people to raise their voice to him he did what he did to roman to challenge his perceived dominance and show him that it's just illusion he's been disrespected too long and people like cole reigns and even daniel bryan all just think he's a goo meant to do someone else's bidding but he's not a puppet he's not a follower he's a leader and dan's biggest mistake was thinking they were in intellectually equal when is when it, when he is actually far superior, and the entire WWE universe is going to learn to never disrespect him again. Very simple, very brief, not anything that it was substantial, but good on them for giving Rowan the spotlight on this one. You know? And I have a theory about what's going to go down when we get to the end of the show. But hold that thought for a minute. We come back from commercial break as Mustafa Ali has made his entrance, and of course, out comes Shinsuke Nakamura with Sami Zayn, of course toe he cuts a promo asking for more respect for himself and nakamura he puts over ali but says that he isn't and will never be a champion which gets ali to slug nakamura uh zayn runs interference knee to the back of the head sammy tells mustafa that was a big mistake and, and for nakamura to give him what's got coming he and sasha and that's pretty much all there is to it so it looks like mustafa ali might be the challenger for that ic title i love it of course then we see through the crowd kevin owens who was fired last week Okay, which, of course, coincidentally, just cuts to the camera, cuts to Shane McMahon in his office. He heads out and takes care of some business and gets served papers. McMahon examines the documents briefly before moving on and, of course, setting a break. Coming back, we see Owens is still in the crowd. Shane then makes his entrance, carrying the document he was just served and beckoning some security in to protect him from Owens. He gets on the mic and invites KO to the ring to say whatever he is has to say. Owen gets in the ring, and McMahon tells the security to leave before saying that he's got the largest wrongful termination lawsuit in history in his hands, where if Kevin Owens wins, he will be awarded $25 million. Shane says the case is weak, but Kev says it's damn strong. And why? Because after he got fined for putting a hands on a referee, McMahon attacked him while he was a referee, exactly what he fined KO for. And did he get fined? No, he fired Owens on the grounds of insubordination, and that's where the case rests. He wasn't being an insubordinate because that fine was hanging over his head, and last week he swallowed his pride and did what exactly Shane wanted. He tried to help him beat Chad Gable, and he still lost. Why? Because, well, Shane tapped out. The crowd obliges Owens with a sing-along, of course, before he keeps going. He says that he's tried all angles, but now all he wants to do is hurt McMahon, and the best way to do that is to hit him where it hurts most, his wallet and his pride. He goes, and make no mistake, this, isn't a, this is a lot more than about money. He has a case, and Shane knows it, but he didn't really read thoroughly. 
it's not just about taking millions from him. There's another clause in there. And then when he wins, he gets to come back here in the middle of the ring, stare at Shane in the eye, and tell him that he's fired. Ooh, interesting little scenario. Now, obviously, I think they're going to try and stretch this out even further, and I would not be in the least bit surprised if we saw them going at it at inside Hell in a Cell, um, which is ironic because I'm pretty sure we've seen, yeah, we've seen this two years ago. Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens inside Hell in a Cell um, two years ago, uh, which would go either way. Um, it, it is kind of funny that when you, when you think back to two years ago that this whole Shane and Kevin Owens rivalry is now completely flipped backwards, um, that this is probably going to go to a match that, again, we had two years ago. Um I don't know if it necessarily means that I'm still I'm more interested in this one this time or the other or the latter. We'll have to see how this plays out. Um, I don't know if it's going to be an actual Hell in a Cell matchup, but obviously the Shane Kevin thing is far from over. This is despite Shane, uh, you know Kevin saying he's teasing going to NXT, uh, which is sad because I was kind of hoping he would go to NXT. But hey, I mean there's still a chance. There's still a chance he could go over to NXT. You know, um, I think what will ultimately happen is they're going to have a culmination of a match at Hell in a Cell. The only thing that I, I guess still irks me from last week is the fact that they just kind of randomly slipped this into the King of the Ring tournament, and we almost forgot about this rivalry for like two weeks. Um, I don't know if it's because creative plans changed and they had no intention of doing this, if they purposely put this on the back burner to slide this in on the right time to give more time for the King of the Ring tournament. It could be a bunch of different things. It just sucks because it's a repeat of things that we've seen before, which let's be fair, nothing's original in wrestling anymore. It just, it's a little off putting. The promo was okay, but Shane didn't seem flustered by it. If Shane sold the whole idea of him being like flustered over this whole thing, I think it would mean more, but Shane being tough and, and was great. he didn't really sell much as far as the emotion, at least Vince, when he got like worried or shaken up, you could see it. Even if it was a little bit over the top, Shane didn't really show that he was much like intimidated by Kevin Owens threatening to fire him uh, over over this whole sort of deal. So it's it's still on the fence to me. We'll see how it plays out next week uh, heading into the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. We see, of course, Brian Stewing backstage before we cut to Charlotte Flair ready for her match and getting a pep talk from her tad, which means apparently uh, things are good with WWE if Ric Flair showing up on camera again. So good on you. We have Flair versus Sasha Banks for the first time, I think, in singles action in, like, I don't know, two or three years or so. And uh, pretty solid action, pretty great uh, between the two women, but probably a, a very solid matchup as far as those go. Uh, we see, of course, Charlotte does a moonsault to the floor, Bailey showing Charlotte's return to the ring. She reverses a pin, picked the leg, goes for the figure four leg lock applied, trying to cut the bridge back, but then, of course, Bailey attacks and uh, attacks Charlotte Flair after she was trying to go for the submission on Banks. That means, of course, Flair wins by DQ. Post-match, we see Boston Hug can actually put the boot to Flair until, this is a weird one, Carmella ends up making the save. Superkicks takes out Banks out. She shoves Bailey aside, giving her uh, talking to of, of course, uh, Charlotte recovers and hits the big boot. Weird to see Carmella getting back involved. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing. It's just, it's 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 weird. Now, is, is, is Charlotte now a baby face? Because Carmella's clearly a baby face, even though, she was healed, and then she hung out with our truth. Just a little bit odd. So much like the whole Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens thing, needs to be flushed out a little bit more. And uh, you know, just it's not bad. It's just something needs to change up a little bit here. I I need to see where this 
where this heads out. But maybe maybe it could go well. I mean, I'm not against Carmella being teaming up with Charlotte. It's just it's just weird. <laughs> I need to get used to it a little bit. But you know what I'm not used to, or I, I should say I am definitely used to. And it's of course King Corbin. See, of course, making his way out for his coronation next. He gets in the ring as a crew member puts fit the robe uh, and of on him, and of course presents him with the crown. Good old Napoleon style. He cuts a promo about how he deserves respect and adoration. He's generous enough to invite Chad Gable down. Gable obliges and makes his entrance, which of course gets Baron Corbin making all sorts of terrible short jokes to mock him. Thing is a perfect example of these people showing them no matter how big you dream and how hard you work in the end, you just come up short. And that's when Chad Gable decides he's had enough. He double legs Corbin through the through the throne, mounts punches, tearing the rope off. Uh, sorry, the robe off, cracking him in the gut across the back with a scepter. He tears the robe apart, smashes the throne further. He then grabs the crown and sets on the mat, stomps it, and of course, uh, just absolutely just obliterates the whole thing. So this ain't over, which I'm totally fine with. More Chad Gable is a happy. It makes me a happy person. That's for damn sure. We get another uh, matchup, a tag team action, Heavy Machinery against the B-Team. Quick matchup between the two. Uh, of course, Caterpillar by Heavy Machinery gets the victory on Bo Dallas. Nothing really right home about it except for the fact that, well, Otis got rid of the singlet. He's a man, he's a ladies' man. Never saw one. And that singlet just helps show off all the goodies that I'm talking way more detail in this than I probably need to. Moving on, Heavy Machinery got the victory here. <laughs> Moving on. The main segment... Um, was actually one that I have a lot of vested interest in. So Brian makes his entrance to talk about this whole situation with Roman Reigns and Eric Rowan and Luke Harper and the craziness. He gets in the mic and says a lot of people chanting his name right now are the same people who accused him of being behind the attacks on Roman Reigns. And he understands why. Now more than ever, he wants to be clear with us, good or bad, he's never lied to us. And tonight he stands before us, exonerated this heinous attack on Roman Reigns, but that's not why he's out here to talk about it. He's out here to talk about Eric Rowan. You see, Roman says that he's been disrespected, nobody saw him, but you know who saw him? Brian did. He saw how special Eric was, and they won the tag titles together, during which time Dan treated him not as his equal, but as his friend, because he is, and that's when Eric Rowan shows up. He gets on the mic and accuses Brian of not letting him talk, trying to make him a puppet. Dan says if he feels so disrespected, he should do something about it, because there's nothing Eric can do physically to him that's worse than lying to him. Rowan, of course, backs off, but Luke Harper attacks him from behind, uh, he does a huge lariat, which I love, love Luke Harper's lariats. Then Roman comes in to make the save. He runs past Harper, Superman punch to Rowan, back right hand to Luke, drive by for Eric. Uh, of course, we see them then turn the tides and powerbomb Reigns into the ring post. They pull the ringside up mats up to, of course, expose the concrete floor in the arena and fight off security, and they just slam them down on the concrete. Rowan picks up a chunk of barricade and actually throw, uh, and Harper throws it into him, even crazier. They clear the announce table and collect Daniel Bryan, setting him up. Double power bomb through the announce table, and then Harper and Rowan stand tall over Bryan to close out the whole thing. Awesome segment to close out on, saying that of course now it seems that they are you know we we keep thinking that Bryan's the mastermind of the whole thing, but well lo and behold, Rowan and Bri uh, Rowan and Harper they're running their own game. This um. This is definitely getting interesting. I, I do love the fact that they're trying something different with like Daniel Bryan seemingly like he's a heel, but yet, you know, he clearly not responsible for all this. And Roman is is probably the top star on the SmackDown brand. And they're mend they're they're handling and blending it well with a different type of story. You've got the Bludgeon Brothers back, which makes me a happy camper. I still think it's going to be a swerve. I think obviously we're leading to Roman and and Brian versus the Bludgeon Brothers. I'm just going to call them the Bludgeon Brothers easier, but it's going to lead towards that tag team match. 
I still think they're going to pull a, a, a Halloween Havoc on us uh, as Sting and Flair against the Horsemen, where Brian gets the tag in and then just lays out Roman Reigns. I could be wrong, um, but it's interesting that they're kind of still keeping Daniel Bryan his still heel gimmick, in essence, but yet still a tweener like he's not the same daniel bryan that we've, we've known beforehand before he beat aj for the title and turned into you know mr recycle or captain planet i should say he's not that same brian that he was before the baby face the yeses and all that he, he's cynical he's evil he's he's downtrodden he's just murky he, he's he's negative nancy i guess is the best way i can say it and having him team with roman and be involved in this whole thing, where you instantly assume that he's involved in some way, shape, or form. At this point, still not. Um, they're either going for two things. They're either going for a swerve, uh, with Brian definitely being involved, and end up just waiting for the great opportunity, which I'm fine with Brian leading the Bludgeon Brothers. I think that would be a badass. Say that three times fast. Badass Brian leads the Bludgeon Brothers. <laughs> Easily tongue-tied. Uh, or it's legit, and they want to just turn Daniel Bryan into a edgier babyface, which I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know if that's going to be a long-term thing. I still think at the end of the day, Bryan's going to be the one at the end, which is why I'm, ta I'm taking the time to camera's out of focus there, taking the time to uh, carefully focus on what he's saying. He's saying he's never lied to us, and maybe he didn't do the attack. Doesn't mean that he didn't influence the orchestration to make it that Rowan and Harper were the ones really behind the tag, even though he told them to go attack and do all these things. He didn't see Brian at the pay-per-view. He wasn't involved in anything. He's only involving himself when he chooses to involve himself. And maybe I'm looking a little bit too deep in the rabbit hole in this whole thing, and it could just be a completely different idle angle and go in a different direction. But I still think in my heart of hearts that he's going to be the, he's going to be the ultimate mastermind behind it. If not then, if not later on, if not, you know, over time but i just still think that because at the end of the day he's still the same brian and i think what they're doing is they're slowly building up long term to a match between brian and roman reigns in theory if they play their cards right and this is a big if if they play their cards right this could go all the way to wrestlemania and i know that I, that a lot of you may be groaning or rolling your eyes they would never go that far. They would never plan that long-term book. I'm not saying that I'm optimistic that it will happen. I'm saying is if they play their cards right from a creative perspective, this rivalry could, depending on how it goes towards like the end of the year, towards the Royal Rumble season, could lead all the way to a match at WrestleMania. Brian's obviously not in still 100% shape. I mean, he's cleared to return, but obviously he hasn't wrestled nearly as much as he had since he returned. Um, or at least last couple of, you know, uh, at least in 2019, winning the tag team titles, dropping the WWE Championship. He's doing considerably less. Hasn't really wrestled on pay-per-views much except for the tag team titles. Hasn't really wrestled on TV. He's definitely reduced on his in-ring in time. So maybe what they're doing is they're choosing their battles carefully and building slowly so that when we do get Brian versus Reigns, it is a fantastic payoff. At least that's my theory on it. Um, but that's just me, guys. I want to hear what you guys have to say about the whole thing. Do you think Brian is ultimately the mastermind behind the whole thing, or do you think that maybe they're just turning him into a tweener? Maybe there's some other story that I might be missing there. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and what you guys thought of SmackDown this week. 
I honestly thought SmackDown was a very solid show overall. I think it was even better than Raw in a lot of respects. Again, part of it going back to the two-hour time frame and, and being able to do a lot in a very little amount of time. But, I mean, they did some pretty cool stuff. Lesnar showing up was definitely a fun little treat. The main segment, like I just mentioned with Harper, Rowan, and Brian and Roman, makes you wonder exactly where this is going to go. Obviously, we're going to see more Chad Gable and, and Baron Corbin, which it's anything like their match last night, or excuse me, Monday night on Raw, is going to be an absolute amazing one. The Kevin Owens, Shane McMahon thing does have me scratch my head a little bit, but it's it depends, again, just like a lot of these things, where they end up going. But that's just me. I want to hear how you guys thought about SmackDown. Let me know the thoughts in the comments. Hit me up on social media, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagrams, all that fun stuff. Make sure you guys come back here tomorrow, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we review the first two-hour NXT on Wednesday nights. First hour is on the USA Network. Of course, the second hour is on the network, and I will be tweeting during that show. And if you guys want early access to the OK Fabe Show, make sure you check out the Patreon page. Post a couple of cool bonus goodies over there. And, of course, if you donate just a little as a dollar a month, you get access to the show before everybody else does. So check out the Patreon page for some bonus goodies as well. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care, and as always, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Make sure to watch the OK Fabe Show. Follow him on Twitter at OK Fabe and like over on Facebook.com slash OK Faber. This is the OK Fabe Show.